You are Locked On Bama, your daily podcast on the Alabama Crimson Tide, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everybody, and welcome back into Locked On Bama. Luke Robinson, that's me. Jimmy Stein, that's him. Jimmy, how are you today? I'm still trying to figure out exactly what I saw last night because uh, I've seen Alabama play football a couple hundred times or more, and uh, that was a first. It was uh, pretty horrific, um, and we will get into it. But first of all, I want to tell everybody, this episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go check out BuiltBar.com. Absolutely delicious, and we'll talk about them in just a little bit. Um, Jimmy, I don't really know what to say. I think Aaron Suttles put it. Uh, best. He's a friend of the program and a super guy and a big Alabama guy. And he's basically said the poor performance of the defense has really outshone the incredible efficiency and explosiveness of the offense. And I couldn't put it any better. I mean, it was a 15 point win where we scored 63 points on the road in the SEC. And I am completely dejected. (laughs) Yeah. And that's because it's just such a reversal of, of, of personality, uh, such a reversal of identity for Alabama. And, and, you know, obviously the offense has improved dramatically in terms of points and yards over the past three or four years, ever since Alabama signed, well, really started with Jalen, but was really amplified with Tua and uh, has continued with Mac Jones. The offense is just fantastic, but the defense just continues to get worse and worse. That's just a fact. Uh, Last night was not this one game blip. I think it was just, the low point of a sinking ship <laughs> defensively and uh and and it sort of hit rock bottom last night but the offense is it was probably one of the great offensive performances i've seen in alabama history i know this as a fan i have never felt so certain in my life we were going to score on every possession i mean i, I felt every time alabama got the ball i just knew they they were going to drive the length of the field and score a touchdown. I just knew it. And and I've never really felt that way. Even with Tua in, in the past, I just felt like, man, the offense, it was just a near perfect performance by the offense. And then on the other side of the ball, it was just literally, I mean, there's no other way to describe it. That was the worst defensive performance I have ever seen from an Alabama football team. Not under the Saban era, but I'm talking about ever. I'm talking about Mike Dubos. Agreed. I'm talking about Mike Shula. I'm talking about Bill Curry, Dennis Franchoni. I mean, that that was the worst defense I have ever seen an Alabama team play, period. And I'll say this, that uh, the thing that made it absolutely worse, 100% worse, was that every time they showed Pete Golding on the sidelines, he his mouth wasn't moving, his face was emotionless, his hands were in his pockets, um, hey, get in somebody's ass or tell somebody if you don't make that tackle next time, you're coming out. And again, we can, there, there's no sense in saying we got to call out this player or that player. I think it's safe to say only Josh Job and Patrick Sertan played well enough to even be considered for the coaches' players of the week on defense. I'd, I'd really be okay if the Alabama coaches this week said, you know what, guys, we don't have a player of the week on defense. We don't have one. And if y'all want to earn that moniker, if you want to earn that title, then you uh, you play better this week against Georgia because that was horrific, and that's just not going to be stood for. And 
I think those two are the only ones that would even be eligible for it. Um, you know, everybody. I mean, you go down the list. Will Anderson, who was in the backfield a few times, but he just – it was like uh, the quarterback was covered in Crisco. He couldn't get him down. Nobody could tackle. Um, Daniel Wright had another just really bad game. I mean, he was picked on left and right. The announcer was his worst game out of three bad – three bad ones, but that yeah. was the worst one. Um, I yeah. thought it was Dylan Moses' worst game. And I didn't think he yes. played well, very well against Texas A&M. This was no. clearly his worst game. He has regressed from Missouri. Um, I thought Christian Harris played a poor game. I mean, I, I, again, I'm not trying to call any one player out. I'm calling all of them out and saying that's not the standard that's been set here, guys. And I was happy to see some of the former uh, Bama players who are in the pros now tweeting things like, that's not what we do. Y'all need to get this right. shit together. And um, – that I know, I know Ole Miss is potent. I know Lane Kiffin is creative and good. But and and here's the other thing that really pisses me off: this Saban and Moses saying, "Well, they stole our signals." See, that's the biggest pile of crap because it's just like to me in baseball when they say you're stealing our pitch count signals. Well, have a better pitch count signal or whatever the hell they're called. You know, if, if, they, if they're stealing our signals, do something to change it. It's not our their job to protect themselves from themselves. <laughs> you know, it's not yep. their job to, uh, okay, we're not supposed to steal your signals. Hell no, steal their damn signals. If we're stealing signals, I'm all for it. If you can figure out their signals, get better signals. Yep. I couldn't agree more with that. I think that's all almost silly, uh, and and it would be a hundred. It's not their fault our signals are stolen. It's our fault that the signals are being stolen. It's on it's on us, not them. And uh, what I'm saying is is not a defense of uh, Pete Golding at all because there is no defense for for what happened last night or really what's happened over the past two plus seasons. But just just one thing, you know. Ultimately, Pete Golding is is responsible for the defense, and regardless of where the fault lies below him, it doesn't matter because it's his responsibility. Similarly, I'd say the same thing about Nick Saban. I mean, the defense is on on Nick Saban as well, just as the offense on the special teams and the whole program is. But one thing about Golding is, look, Sal Sinceri is a former SEC defensive coordinator. Uh, Charles Kelly is a former Florida State defensive coordinator. Charlie Strong's in the building, a long career as a defensive coordinator. Mike Stoops, believe it or not, had some level of success as a defensive coordinator. He's in the building. If Pete Golding is doing something obviously wrong, we have multiple eyeballs, multiple brains in the building to address it and fix it. And that's what that's what gets to me. It's not like I'm really sure it's not a situation where Pete's like, I don't care what you say, Mike Stoops, Charlie Strong, Charles Kelly, and Sal Sinceri. I'm doing it this way. Uh, I really have a hard time believing that. I'm sure it's a collective effort uh, to a degree. Now, who takes the fall for that? Pete, and rightfully so. But just pointing out that even though Pete's the defensive coordinator, there are a lot of other chefs in the kitchen. And frankly, I think every single one of them is to blame, not just Pete. But does, should Pete go down with the ship? Of course. Well, here's two things. I mean, <clears throat> maybe there are a lot of chefs in the kitchen. The problem is the kitchen is at Ruby Tuesdays. This isn't, we're not talking about Highlands Bar and Grill in Birmingham anymore. It feels like, hey, what are y'all doing? I mean, you. I, anyway, I'm going I'm to get off that for a second, but I do want to go back to this. I had a thought. Is Lane Kiffin 
that good because Lane Kiffin, it just dawned on me, you know what Lane Kiffin is? He's the Johnny Manziel of coaches. He's incredibly talented. He's he's going to wow you on so many occasions, but you know it's going to end in a train wreck. This old Miss thing, there's no doubt in my mind, this is not a sign of greatness to come from the Rebels. This Lane, the Lane train is going to go off in a ditch. I just don't know when. Um, right now, though, I am enjoying listening to him talk. I like him. He's fun. Um, he's gotten a little fat, which makes him relatable. Um, I, I, I just think this whole thing is going to be cool to watch, but it's going to be a flaming dumpster fire before it's all over. There's no doubt in my mind about that. Uh, Jimmy, let me tell everybody about Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com. Uh, check out their 18 amazing flavors. Flavors. They got six new ones. I've talked about them before. Caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, delicious carrot cake, which is my favorite, and apple almond crisp. You need to go check all of them out. It's great for the health-conscious guy or gal. You lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. The bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, great for keto diet. That's important. Great for keto diet. Um, the, for instance, something like the peanut butter has 19 grams of protein, 180 calories, 5 grams of sugar, and 5 grams net carbs. And it's delicious. Unbelievable. Go check out... Uh, Built Bar and use the code locked on, all one word, locked on, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Locked on, builtbar.com. Okay, Jimmy, um, <clears throat> let's move into some positivity, okay? Sure. And I think to do that, you have to go straight to the offense. And first of all, here, here the, the irony of all ironies to me Najee Harris has a career day, 206 yards. He now leads the league in rushing. Um, he's averaging over 100 yards a game now, which is a little bit misleading, of course. Um, but he did it on very few carries. Uh, he also had several receiving yards. Um, he played tough, had five touchdowns, second year in a row. Somebody from Alabama has had five touchdowns against Ole Miss. Uh, and he does break his longest run record. For, he goes from 35 yards to 39 yards. <laughs> <laughs> It's amazing he can average. He's averaging nearly seven yards a carry and yet doesn't have, you know, carries beyond, you know, with the occasional 30-yarder. That's crazy. It just shows how consistent he is. I thought Najee played extremely well. I thought Brian Robinson played extremely well. And Alabama put up these huge numbers but still used just a limited number of players in doing it. I mean, Najee and B-Rob were the only two backs to get on the field and touch the ball. Alabama only completed passes to three wide receivers and one tight end and still racked up 48 billion yards. Um, Mac played every snap. No Bryce Young last night as the game was too tight and Mac was playing perfectly. So, wow, the offense, uh, the offensive line, I mean, I know the competition's bad. That is the worst defense in the league. Believe it or not, it's not Alabama. It's Ole Miss, although Alabama might be somewhere around 11 or 12. But, but uh that that was a horrible defense, but Alabama's offense performed. I, I mean, I, I think the best word to use is perfect. It was nearly perfect on offense for Alabama, and Alabama may have the best offense in college football. That's that's unbelievable based on the early Saban era when there was complaints about the offense. But uh, this may be the most explosive, both best, highly producing offense in all of college football. 
it, you know, it's pretty wild. We had Najee go for 206, Brian Robinson go for 76. He could have clearly gotten 100 if he had been on that last drive. But I think with Najee's fumble, you got to play the odds now and say, okay, that's his first fumble in his career. He probably won't have another fumble for a while. I trust Najee a little bit more, and he was running better. Um, so we could have had two with over 100 yards, but Ole Miss did have two with other, over 100 yards. Meanwhile, we had two players get over 100 yards receiving, and so did Ole Miss. Um, just pretty remarkable numbers. I mean, and and the highest scoring regular uh, – the, the non-overtime game – in SEC history, that's ridiculous to think about. But, um, again, Mac Jones was practically perfect. I don't know how to how to uh, calculate a QBR, but his QBR was only 96.5, which seems incredibly low for somebody who went 28 of 32 for 417 and two touchdowns. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how you calculate it, but it seems like – I mean, is QBR, 100 the highest number? I guess 100 I is the was, highest number, right? I don't – I mean, look, man, I, I guess I'm thinking – maybe I'm thinking of passer rating. Is passer rating and QBR the same thing? Q, quarterback well, rating? Different, yeah, rating? D- different organizations use different formulas. There's not one passer rating. Like ESPN has their QBR. The NCAA has their own okay. pass efficiency rating. Uh, there's different There's different measurements depending on who's doing the, uh, the number crunching. But okay. I think that ESPN thing – goes up to 100 being 100 is perfect uh the traditional q uh nca efficiency rating uh goes higher than that but but mm-hmm. I, I don't i don't as much as i live for football 24 7 i have yet to commit myself to learning any of that stuff yeah that's that's uh that's a tough one i mean i just don't know what <laughs> world is going on with that i mean i'm just gonna be honest with you so um but i mean it, it's pretty good but having said that matt corral was 21 of 28 365 two touchdowns and a 95.5 quarterback rate i mean it, it's just it's insane and yeah corral's a good player you know i had somebody last night i was watching the game with uh compared corral's performance to the what amounts to the Steven Garcia, you know, Trevor yeah. Knight, that that's, that's not accurate at all because Matt Corral's a really good player. That, that was not a once in a lifetime thing. That was Matt Corral playing his third great game in a row. He was a very highly regarded high school quarterback that with his talent could have basically signed anywhere. And at one point was definitely going to USC. He just ran into a lot of trouble in high school of his own making. And it severely affected his recruitment. He was dropped by Southern Cal over his behavior and conduct and then had a very difficult time finding someone that would take him, frankly. Uh, and then Ole, Ole Miss did take him. Uh, to my knowledge, he has not been in any trouble in Oxford and has matured. I know this. Uh, he's shown some flashes the last couple of years, but Lane Kiffin has done his usual job of taking his quarterback and making him three times better like he did with Blake Sims you know, yep. at Alabama. Um, but he's got a lot more to work with than Matt Corral, who has some NFL ability. So it, it, to me, it was not a Trevor Knight, Stephen Garcia thing. I, I think Matt Corral is going to play like that most weeks. No, I'm, I'm with you. I think Ole Miss is going to be a tough out for everybody. Um, the, the thing is, I mean, Lane Kiffin's mantra seems to be, I'm going to score or you going to score. Yes, you probably are, but you, you might not. <laughs> Um, the thing is, when you play Alabama, I mean, we typically are going to score. I mean, that fumble at the one notwithstanding, and then sort of a fluky sack, a very weird sack that was given up by Leatherwood. Those are the only two things that stopped us. I mean, that's that's yeah. 
pretty damn ridiculous. I mean, I, we did not have a punt, did we? Had no punt. We punted one time in the first. We punted one time. We punted once. And, oh, we did uh, have a punt. We, we punted. Yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. We, we punted, punted once, and, yeah. and Najee fumbled on the one. Yep. Other than that, we scored a touchdown every single other possession of the game. That's crazy. I mean, to think that uh, Will Reichert gets nine points in his, you know, for the game all on extra points is is pretty wild. But um, I, I go back. Here's another thing that I thought of, and I'm not so sure that this is a good thing. I think it's good for one player. Um, I think Jalen Waddle is not only the best player we have, I think he's the most ferocious player we have. Um, and I'm not sure that's a great thing in the SEC when we need we need some defense with some dogs. We need a, a, a pass rusher who just wants to take somebody's damn head off. We need a running back. I think Najee is fantastic, but he's not a – I wouldn't call Najee like um, – He's not just like relentless. I think Najee's just so he's very good. He's very talented, and um, he's very smart. He's very cerebral. Uh, he 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 can get the yards that he needs to get. But man, I mean, uh, somebody that just hits the hole with with reckless abandon. See, Jalen Waddle's been the only one to me that's shown that this year. I, out of practically everybody, and then the next two, I'd probably say are Devontae Smith and Mac Jones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They are tough. We need to get tougher on defense, that's for sure. You know what I want to do, and, and again, it's it's crazy for fans that aren't in practice, that don't know this stuff, to have opinions like this, but what the hell. Um, I, I just think our as many problems as we have on defense, to me, the alarming issue is safety. If you go back and even watch last night, so many of the big plays, Ball Miss, the chunk plays, were due to linebackers failing in coverage again, or even more likely, a safety in the middle of the field giving up the play, whether it was Wright, whether it was Helms, whether it's Malachi Moore who's playing kind of a hybrid corner safety spot at battle. star. But, but, but Battle also gave up plays last night. And like you pointed out early in the show, Luke, um, you know, Sertan and Joe, but corner are playing fine. The, uh, I, they, they get beat here and there like every corner on the planet Earth, but they are not problems. They're, they're good players. It's everything that happens in between Sertan and Job that's the problem. And, and for that reason alone, Sertan's the best defensive back on this team. Uh, he's also smart. He's been around the NFL his whole life. If anyone can do a midseason position switch, it's him. Uh, I, I would stick Sertan at safety and, and, and try another corner like Marcus Banks at corner who had a really good fall camp, who's a really highly recruited, twitchy athlete, uh, I think, without seeing a play, that uh, that Speedy Banks might be capable of uh, of starting a corner even next week against Georgia. Put Sertan in the middle of the field, and either take you know next week we'll ha- we won't have battle in the first half, so he'd have to play the first half alongside Wright, and then the second half alongside Battle. Um, but you know, I don't know that that fixes the whole defense, but safety seems to be just a glaring issue to me. No, I totally agree. It is a it is a monster problem. It's going to be even worse against Georgia as Jordan Battle has to set out the first half because of that very late targeting penalty, which was just, frankly, flat-out stupid. It was clearly targeting to me, and I thought it was just a horrible, horrible play. You know, it all probably boiled down to his being out of position to begin with is my guess. Um, Jimmy, we're going to take a break. When we come back, I want to bounce around the SEC for just a minute. Okay, let's talk about a few other games in the SEC. Jimmy, let's start with the Auburn-Arkansas game. Um, really Auburn looked God awful 
uh, Arkansas looked better too. Let's 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 give Arkansas some credit. Um, but I'll tell you something: the the SEC has come out with a very bunk statement about the the very. It wasn't a spike that Bo Nix had; it was an angry fumble. That's all that was. I mean, it's angrily threw a fumble down, and then they. I I, I give the officials. Uh, the benefit of the doubt here, because at first I thought it was a spike myself, but that's what they're paid to do is to know that's a fumble. And that very clearly should have been Arkansas's ball. And, you know, it is what it is, but at, at some point, sometime, somewhere, Auburn is going to get hosed at home instead of getting all these calls that are benefiting them in Jordan-Hare Stadium. It's it's become an, uh, an epidemic. It is crazy how one game after another Auburn seems greatly benefited by the officials that their broadcast team constantly complains about for 60 minutes yeah but then they get bailed out in the end and win the game because of just crazy and and sometimes it's crazy things happening like when the I I was watching live of course when the Bo play happened and I was trying to think I don't know that I've ever seen anything like that and how many times have I been watching an Auburn game at Auburn where I say out loud, I don't think I've ever seen anything like that. Sure. It's it's like weekly. So I'm not – I mean, what I didn't like about the statement that was released by the SEC office is that it doesn't jive up with what the officials on the field were saying and what they told Sam Pittman when it was over. Uh you know, and, and it's. I think it would have been a better statement if the SEC official said, you know, the the ruling on the field was this. Uh, you know, it it couldn't be overturned by us because Arkansas didn't clearly recover the fumble. They didn't clearly recover the fumble because officials on the field blew the whistle. When a whistle blows on the field, there's only so much replay can do to 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 correct it. Uh, but. They always, the SEC office always seems to be making excuses for the officials yep. on the field instead of just saying, hey, you know, they messed that up, but it's understandable as to why they messed it up because of this. I mean, how many of you have seen a quarterback bobble a snap and then ground it and then be so frustrated that he grounded it behind his own foot? How many of you have seen this happen? The answer is nobody. So, so, so it's understandable that the officials on the field wouldn't, wouldn't see it. And I you could, know, as we saw that. by benefit of replay. And I could respect that. I could respect if they came out and said, "Hey, guys, we're human too." Just like they, if they had done that against, um, if they had done that for the call against Kentucky, I would, I would kind of understand it. Like, okay, you know, I get it. I mean, quarterbacks throw interceptions, uh, running backs have fumbles, linebackers miss assignments. God knows our linebackers missed assignments last night. It, it, it happens. Okay, we get it. You miss a call or two. But to come out with some bullshit statement about, well, here's what really happened. No, we all saw what happened. You screwed it up. Now, I don't like it. Sam Pittman doesn't like it. Um, Only people who like it are Auburn fans. And frankly, about half of them are kind of pissed off. They're like, this is bullshit. Because I think about half of them, Gus Mal's on fire, and they'd probably be okay with a loss. But um, it's just come out and say, this was a screw-up. We're going to do better next time. And why that is so awful to do, I don't understand. I swear I think people would respect that. Yeah, they never admit to a mistake. Boy, Auburn Auburn bailed out by officials could easily, easily be sitting here 0-3. They could be 0-3 so easily. Well, think about uh, this. And- you go back to, the, go back to the, the kick that they got against um, in the Iron Bowl. 
go back to that kick where, you know, they obviously get the extra time to line up for the field goal. If they end up losing that game, um, they're 0-3 in their last – no, 0-4 in their last game is at Jordan-Hare. But, yep. again, it's because that place is built on an Indian burial ground, you cannot convince me otherwise. Um, and then they, lo- they lost to Minnesota in the bowl game? Yeah. Isn't that right? Jeez. Yeah. They're kind um, of a mess. And I'll tell you what, I'm going to be adamant about this all week. It'll prove wrong. Anytime I'm adamant about a pick, I'm always wrong. But I will be adamant all week that South Carolina will beat Auburn, not because Auburn is just cosmically due for a loss, but because I think South Carolina is just as good as Auburn is. South Carolina's team is just as good as Auburn, and they're playing at home. So I like South Carolina to win the game. I, I could certainly see it happening. I think Auburn will open up at least a seven-point favorite is my guess, but uh, and I'd probably pick Auburn to win. But um, regardless, I think you have a good point. Um, I did like the fact that Missouri got a win and, and Texas A&M got the wins um, over – first of all, I just like it because it, it helps us winning the SEC West. But secondly, I think it's good because – um, those are two teams that we've played and look, Missouri looked incredibly improved, but I'm learning very quickly. LSU's awful. Yep. Now, especially Marshall's especially. not awful. Terrence Marshall's not awful. Miles Brennan isn't awful. If you ask me, he dropped some dimes. Um, I think he can, I, I'm going to tell you what, Miles Brennan is in the top five of SEC quarterbacks. I mean, if you, if you ranked SEC quarterbacks right now, I, I mean, you know, if you want to go Kyle Trask over Mac Jones, so be it. But I would probably go Mac Jones over Kyle Trask, considering his team's undefeated. Um, but, okay, rank them one, two, however you want to. And then what are you going to do? I mean, you're going to put Stetson Bennett the fourth in there somewhere, perhaps. Uh, and I'm going to tell you something. You might put Kellen Mond in there after his performance against Florida, and you got to put Matt Corral there somewhere. But Miles Brennan is in the discussion for, like, top five SEC quarterback right now. Yeah, yeah, he's 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 he has played well, and one of the reasons he's put up good numbers is LSU's been behind, yeah. and they've had to they've had to keep throwing it and throwing it and throwing it because they don't build leads, and uh, they don't run against Vanderbilt. They just don't run it. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Even though they got some good backs, but uh, LSU is going to play at Florida this weekend, and it's another thing I feel adamant about. I mean, Florida, Florida obviously had their struggles at A and M, but uh, I think Florida's going to going to run LSU at home. Now LSU's going to score some points. It'll be another one of these SEC games that look like Big 12 games, but uh, there'll be a lot of points, but Florida will have more points than LSU will. No, I totally agree. I think this is going to be a, a bad, bad game for LSU, and I think um, they're going to have some guys on that team. Derek Stingley got bang, banged up a little bit again. I think they're going to have some guys on that team starting to mail it in or either just flat out opt out. I mean, I just – I could see that. Um <laughs> So uh, Kentucky and Mississippi State, here's here's another reason that I think LSU is awful, because they got beaten by at home by Mississippi State, who scored two points yesterday. They threw two pick sixes, and their defense scored two points. Mississippi State literally beat themselves. Yeah, and, it, you know, we can't get away from, from, from banging on Alabama's defense and Pete Golding, but when I hear a Mississippi State-Kentucky and think about that game, my takeaway from it is this. I think Kentucky – uh, based on three games, certainly yesterday, but based on all three games played, Kentucky is definitively the second-best defense in the SEC behind Georgia. I think it's Georgia, and then it's Kentucky. And how Alabama isn't as good as Kentucky on defense is a disgrace, and I almost used the F word. 
It's a disgrace. How is Alabama not as good defensively as Kentucky? Kentucky played Ole Miss. They held Ole Miss to 450 yards. And then they hold Mississippi State to two points. Yeah, you're I'm right. not sure Alabama's could hold Mississippi State's junior varsity to two points. No, I totally agree. So Kentucky is definitively better than Alabama on defense. That is a fact. Uh, I'm not going right. to talk about South Carolina Vanderbilt just because, uh, yeah. although they have um, their little running back kicked ass, and uh, he may give Auburn some fits. He's second in the SEC and rushing behind uh, Najee Harris. I assume he'll take over the lead after we play Georgia this next weekend because Georgia-Tennessee – Georgia has a defense. They don't have a defense. They have the best defense in the league. It's not very close. Um, They are fast. They get to the ball. Yes, Tennessee put up some points. Yes, they scored. But it took uh, a Georgia miscues for Tennessee to get those points for the most part. And I am worried to death about Saturday now. Um, In fact, I wouldn't be shocked at all if Georgia were the favorite this game. Uh, I think Vegas loves Alabama, and, and Alabama's at home. I, I suspect Alabama will be favored by three or four points or five or six points. But just as – I mean, I, it, it will be – I'm not going to say I'm pessimistic about winning the game because that's nuts in the Saban era. Uh, I, I don't even know that worried is the right term. Here, here's the thing to me. I, I, as much as you want to say pessimistic or worried – my objective opinion based on what's happened through three games is Georgia's a better team than Alabama. Yes. So, so my, my concern, if you want to call it that, is that the best team is going to win and the best team is Georgia. <laughs> That's a good point. It, it's hard to say I'm pessimistic about this game when you think they're better already. I mean, I think <laughs> yeah. you should be pessimistic. If, when you're optimistic, you think, okay, they're ranked higher, but we're the better team. This is actually the reverse. We're ranked higher and they are better. <laughs> it's like, well, the best team usually wins the game, right? So yeah, usually, yeah. I, and I say, and some people say hey, they're not the better team. Look what happened against Arkansas. That was the first half of the yep. Arkansas game, and and now they've built. And you know what they remind me of a lot is early Saban teams right now. The early Saban teams that were really good on defense could run the ball with multiple backs and a game manager at quarterback that that's not going to lose the game. Um, that and and hey, does that formula work? No one more than Alabama fans should know how well that formula can work, even in today's game. And uh, now, you know, even if Alabama comes up short next Saturday, I feel confident Alabama can cobble it back together, maybe get another shot at Georgia down the line with an improved defense. And we'd see what happens in the bigger, more important game that would happen in December. But, uh, and I'm not definitely picking Georgia to win. I need a few days to let it all digest, but, it's hard to feel too good uh, after watching literally the worst Alabama. I remember we lost to Arkansas in 1998 under Mike Dubos, and Arkansas scored in the 40s. And I thought to myself, gosh, I've never seen an Alabama team play that bad ever. Well, the defense last night was worse than that 98 defensive performance by that Mike Dubos team. So how about that? Put that in your Mike Dubo's pipe and smoke it. Um, And I don't think we brought up Texas A&M, Florida. I think we've talked about Kellen Mond and Kyle Trask, but we haven't talked about that game. And good for Texas A&M to finally get that monkey off their back, to get their signature win. Um, I I guess – Theoretically, I should be cheering for Florida, but so that 
Uh, it, it helps us with the West. But you know what? I, I was glad to see Texas A&M beat Florida. I was getting sort of sick of the Florida hype train. And it made Alabama's win over A&M look a little bit better. Um, and I thought Kellen Mond played one of the best games of his career. And good for him because he's taken a lot of shit. And uh, he, he came yeah. out and played well. Well, he's inconsistent. He's not bad. And inconsistent means sometimes he plays really good. Exactly. <laughs> and when he plays good, he's, he's really good. And, 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 again, no matter what game I'm talking about, I can't help but bang on Alabama's defense. Florida yeah. lost the game because defensively they're not good. Yeah. This is not a good Florida defense. They've been bad every week. But you know what Florida did against Ole Miss? They held them to 35. So as bad as Florida is on defense, apparently they're better than Alabama. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, well, Jimmy, that's going to do it for this episode. We will certainly uh, be talking some more uh about this game and then the the huge game against georgia coming up this weekend it, it's an absolute monster um it's going to mean a lot and you know alabama's got a, a tough stretch coming up they've got georgia then at tennessee a tennessee team that, that looked pretty doggone strong at times and then a mississippi state, state team that's going to sling it all over the field so yeah alabama's got a, a tough little stretch coming up and they need to get it together and get it together quickly. But uh, that's going to do it for this episode of Locked On Bama. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. Thank you, Built Bar, for sponsoring us, and roll tide. Roll tide.